Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Baywatch Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Span, and this is episode number 21 of this uh, of this show. And I'm here with my lovely wife, Mrs. Span. Say what's up to the people, baby. Hey there, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> I thought you were joking. <laughs> I swear to God, I thought you were joking. Um, yeah, for those of you who are familiar uh, with the show, we will be... Uh, re like reviewing and recapping episodes one and two of Tiger King on Netflix. Uh, this was uh, a show that was requested by a few listeners on Twitter, and so uh, yeah, we felt like why not? We were, we were like watching and shit, and I got time since you know we got this like semi break from work and stuff, so we got time to do it. And so um, we watched the first two episodes of this last night. Gotta say it, don't really know where this shit is going. <laughs> like for real don't really know where this shit is going um there's twists and turns a little bit all over the place um it's a wild ride so far like just in these first two episodes um and uh just off top i just kind of want to like introduce a couple of the uh like some of the main uh protagonist or like you know the main focuses of this docuseries it's a five-part docuseries on netflix and uh one of the guys name is joe exotic he's uh probably the main guy that they're following throughout this docuseries uh you'll hear the name of uh carol baskin quite a bit she's uh somewhat of an antagonist uh to uh joe exotic you got doc anto who's like a a big game like uh you know uh he's almost considered like a like a mentor to uh to uh, Joe Exotic and others. And then you got this guy named Mario Tabray. And Mario Tabray is like almost considered like a godfather in this big game, this big cat game, like private uh, exotic animals, sort of, you know, whatever you call it right now. I don't even know what you really call it. They all got a whole bunch of big cats and they're all over the place, all over America. And they all got beefs between each other. At least most of them seem to have beefs with Carol Baskin. But um, we're going to... um. Just off top first, babe, like when you first, you know, heard about Tiger King or the idea of watching Tiger King, what'd you think about it? I mean, I didn't really know what to think. I just saw people saying like they had watched it, Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really know what it was about. And then I just saw like that the main guy, the what's his name? Joe Exotic. Yeah, I saw him with like a tiger and I was like, oh, that's some white people shit. And I just like (laughs) disregarded it. Yeah. (laughs) So I hadn't really heard very much about it. You know what? Um, it's almost something like that uh, that series that we reviewed last year uh, on Netflix about the the Mormon family that was like, what was the name of that damn series? Was it Kidnapped in Plain Sight or something like that? Yeah. Where that guy was just pretty much like running through the whole damn family. He got the dad to suck his dick. He, had, wow. he was in wow. love with the daughter. <laughs> he was he did the mom. Like he did everybody in the family. Yeah. I forget what... The, I think it was... Like abducted in plain sight. I think that was the name of it, and it's got like that that level of kind of twist and turns when it comes to this story because everybody in here, like even though you think somebody may look good at the other part of it, is like yo, they look real shady on this part here too, right? Yeah. So um, on the first episode of this series, it's mostly like just kind of introducing us to who all these people are. Um, we meet Joe, who is um a flamboyant character. To say the least, um, he does country music covers of. <laughs> he does a lot of things. <laughs> he does a lot of things. I don't quite have a handle on it yet. He's a gun-toting guy. Um, he's very gay. Per- he he's has gay. Three, he, hus- two husbands. He's got two husbands. Uh, he really loves the big cats. He loves the big cats. He, I think, he, I think he prioritizes the treatment of the cats more than he does the treatment of his employees. To a large degree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we'll see we'll see uh, instances of that later on. Um, then you've got uh, Carol Baskin, who's his, like, arch enemy. And Carol Baskin is someone of... Um, she's someone like a PETA kind of person, you know? like. And for those of you who know PETA, uh, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, uh, they're real uh, over the top with their av- advocacy for uh, animal rights, right? Like, you... you there's a certain point with them where you you can almost agree with the point that they're trying to make, but their tactics kind of undercut the message. And um, she's one of those folks who like 
she says she doesn't necessarily like the way that you know people like Joe Exotica and uh, this doc <laughs> Ant- Exotica. I'm sorry, Joe Joe Exotica. Add a, little, add a little flourish. My bad, my bad. <laughs> uh, and uh, Doc Ansel, these other guys, like she she's really like kind of coming down hard on the way that they treat their animals and the way that they you know display their animals. But when you see her park is not necessarily like much better run than these other parks that she's very critical of. Yeah, she's a strange one. But she did say she grew up and didn't have friends. As a parent. Yeah. It's, you can tell. Yeah, she did say that. Um, then there's, uh, what's my man name? Doc Antle. He's got a lot of different names, like Bhagavan something. Like he's Bhagavan got... Doc Antle. Oh, Bhagavan is his name. Bhagavan Antle is his name. His is Bhagavan really his name or a name well, he gave I'm, himself? It's probably he changed his name because he did kind of, he said this, uh, I guess an Indian man or of some sort, like, mentored him uh-huh. so he might and he was young when that happened so he might have like legally changed his name yeah because his name might be like david or some shit or i mean he was or charles well, well i guess he was at a he was like 18 but like so he wasn't born to hippie parents he was himself a hippie so i was gonna say like a lot of hippie you know people mm-hmm. <laughs> name their kid after like this yoga you know the yoga movement yeah well anyway, bhagavan yeah well he was a real big like um what would you call it? Mentor to Joe Exotic. And um, he's got an interesting way of living as well. Um, well you know what? Let's just kind of get into it, right? Okay. <laughs> Let's just kind of get into it. So, like I said, uh, the first the first episode was mostly just kind of introducing a lot of these people uh, to us. And also, it was um, sort of like, you know, kind of introducing the the conflicts between a lot of these folks. And this is where we learn of uh, Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin's like beef as far as, you know, how to treat these animals, whether or not Joe is like using these animals for monetary gain and whether or not, um, you know, Carol Baskin was actually out for the ethical treatment of these animals, as you know, as one would say. Um, did you see like or what would what, what would you make of like their their conflict? Like, what did you get from that? I mean, it was quite strange. Like, at first, I was like, oh, okay, she's, like, on the good team. Like, she's, like, an animal rights kind of activist. She's, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> she's good. But then, like, as it progressed, I was like, oh, wait, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Because, like... On, I guess, uh, I don't know if this was in the first or second episode, but, like, on their website, on Carol's website, she claims there's, like, a hundred some, like, big cats you can see. Mm-hmm. But then they go into the the sanctuary, the big, the sanctuary, and yeah. there's only, they see only 12. Mm-hmm. So they're like, where are the other, like, 90 or, you know, so cats? Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, something kind of fishy mm-hmm. going on with that. But, like... I think that Joe Exotic is, like, very... Carol is... Is it Carol? Yes. Okay. Carol Baskin. (laughs) Carol is, like, trying to... It's like she's trying to seem like she's doing it by the rule. Like, doing... Following all the rules and, Mm -hmm. like, doing something... Like, doing everything by the books. Yeah. But Joe is, like, blatantly, like, this is what the fuck I'm doing. And... You can like it or not. I'm not breaking the law. You mm. know what I'm like. He's very much not really. Try- I don't. It's not like he's he's not trying to seem like some like animal angel or whatever. Mm. He's like very in your face. Like I like big cats, so I got a lot of them. I sell them. You can come see them for a price. Right. Then <clears throat> also the prices. Oh yeah, they get they getting paid. When they said. They was like, oh, we paid three twenty nine or something. I'm thinking like, first I was like, oh, three dollars and twenty nine cents. Then I'm like, wait the fuck a minute. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we 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 paid six something today. I'm like, what? Yeah, this they had this like this one family like they were like, yeah, this is our second time being back this week. Like y'all got bread like that to be coming to a goddamn big game park like this. Like I mean, I would go see a tiger, but I ain't that I ain't that pressed to go see him. But and I and I get this if that's your thing, that's your thing. But I'm like, damn, man, y'all dropping that kind of bread to go see these people? Have you ever been to, like, the Detroit Zoo? 
years I was a kid I, so so far long ago like I probably wouldn't really remember many of the details of it which is sad because you know the job be giving us like tickets to go every year for free and shit um okay <laughs> well I just was thinking because like when I was young you know I went to like the Saginaw Zoo mm-hmm. which okay fine whatever <laughs> like okay. I just never was one of those people like I always liked dogs yeah. I mean I even like cats but like outside of that like I don't, mm, I'm not that interested. Like I think animals are nice and like they're cute and like we should, you know, leave them be. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I never was like I didn't want to go to the petting zoo. Like I didn't want the like llama like eating out of my hand. Like I just thought that was disgusting. Yeah. But so I don't think I would pay. And this was like I don't know if this was one or two years ago, but like on one of the seasons of the Kardashians, Chloe went to this this guy that is pretty popular now that is like a tiger it's like a big cat sanctuary the same thing and he like you he posts on instagram all the time where he's like you know in the thing with like a big jaguar or panther and they're like playing with him and like all that kind of stuff so like i know this is a thing because like lots of other celebrities have like gone to this and do this but this is not something i've ever been interested in yeah they had um video of Shaq going to joe exotics park and uh you know talking about him going there and big up in joe exotic and whatnot you know and they, they'll play those visits up of course you know uh they talked about a lot of these people even um was that doc Antle went on like the tonight show with jay leno yeah and, uh they you know did like some animal exhibits on on that show and um you know they talked about uh joe exotic going to the malls and doing like exhibits in the malls, like having like just like a traveling sort of like circus. Can you imagine going to like Fort City or <laughs> one of those malls and like you just walking through thinking you about to go to the food court and then all of a sudden you hear a fucking lions it's and a goddamn, tigers? That's a goddamn tiger! <laughs> like, can you just fucking imagine for a second? Like, no, I couldn't. Shit that was going on in the nineties and the very early two thousands and like. The eighty, like the eighties, especially that shit, <laughs> like the, the mullets. What the, the fuck fucking, were we doing, man? The eighties was wide the fuck open, man. Everybody was coked the fuck up. <laughs> it was like the eight, it was big just, hair, big shoulder pads. You know, like the eighties is just wild. It was a wild time. I just can't imagine, and I just don't understand. Like, you know, there's like people that go on, like they go to Africa and they want to go on like safaris and stuff like that. Mostly white people. I, I don't I, I have seen I know personally I some know, people baby. who have gone to Africa and they they went on a safari and I'm like but why well you know what there's a, there's that curiosity man people are just curious about the things that they don't get the chance to see every day like I guess that's just one thing I'm just not curious about like do you know Oprah who's it Oprah or is it Morgan Freeman they like narrated those like Disney they're on Disney Plus it's like Earth. <laughs> I think that might be Morgan Freeman. And they like narrate it and like I'm fine with that. <laughs> like I mean cool. yeah, it's it's cool, but there are some people who like they just like learning about it hands on. And then also when you go to places like that, someone is always walking around with a monkey and they want to like put the monkey on you and shit. I will punch him. I don't I can't I'm terrified of monkeys. They scare me so bad and I wouldn't want to hurt one, but I would run away screaming. <laughs> She doesn't like monkeys, yeah. I'm really scared. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to discriminate against monkeys. I wanted a bubbles here, but hell no. But like, they just they scared I me. I didn't really. I'm just. I'm scared of monkeys. I would not just like walk up and punch one, but like I would be terrified if one like touched me or like got on me. Yeah. I, I would probably pass out. Shoot, I was in the kitchen earlier and there was a squirrel in the window, and I almost <laughs> fucking fell out. <laughs> Shoot so i just don't and like i said the squirrel was looking in the kitchen probably because ain't nobody outside the squirrel <laughs> used to running around running away from motherfuckers like, hey nigga where y'all at shit i ain't seen the human all fucking day where y'all at and then like I saw, he ain't got I, the memo you know he i tap on the window he gonna run off and then he gonna come right back sitting there scrunching on a damn nut just fucking like, so what you doing staring in the damn window <laughs> the dog just fucking oblivious what kind of protector are you I like mean, keisha be off in her own world man like keisha don't give a fuck man keisha she really does unless keisha is getting petted or sitting in one of our laps or laying up against one of us if we on the couch or something keisha don't give a damn I man know. 
She's not. Well, if the ring doorbell goes off. If the ring doorbell goes off, then Keisha's about to test whoever's ankles the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Also, if Cliff comes over. Oh, if Cliff comes over. Keisha does not fuck with him. Cliff, Cliff, kill it. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) But yeah, so um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was... Yeah, there was that dynamic between uh, Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin or whatever. But ultimately, like I felt like both of them care a lot about these animals, but they both have different attitudes about how to how to care. They care, about and they, those they also care in very different and specific ways. Yeah, like okay, this this might be something that I don't know if you grew up with, but if you like went to middle school and like elementary school with. Like in like a mixed school where there's like black and white people. No, we had that many white kids in my well, <laughs> so there's something and it's kind of like resurfacing now. And there's like a girl that people would call like horse girl, who what? like it's a girl. It's a specific kind of girl. It's like a stereotype okay. of like a girl that was like really into horses. Didn't necessarily not the girls that like were rich and had had a horse and like rode horses and did. Like equestrian shit. Right. No, this is like a girl that would wear like a Lisa Frank horse sweatshirt every day and have like horse pencils and like always drawing weird pictures of horses and like making horsey noises and galloping. <laughs> like there's like that type of horse girl. And I feel like that's what like Carol is, is like there's like a strange, she's strangely not sexually attracted to the animals, but just like that strange like obsession slash slash like worshiping slash like attraction to the animals Mm -hmm. and then there's like joe exotic who was like not not necessarily like sexually turned on but he's like lives for the adrenaline Mm -hmm. of it and he like admires you know their fierceness and you know their he just admires the animal and admires probably like their power yeah. And wants to like kind of liken himself to that kind of like king of the jungle, like king of my pride type yeah. of, you know, that kind of thing. But it's like they both care, but both in like specific and creepy ways. Yeah. But like, here's the thing, right? So like in the way in which I interpret Joe Exotic and some of the other guys who like are kind of like on their side, because it seems like all the dudes are on one side and then there's Carol who's on her side by herself. Yes, because Carol is like, Carol is is like that person that like she is okay with people being into it but as long as they're into it in her way. Right. And so like Carol seems to come across as okay, she cares about the animals but she also wants the an- she doesn't believe that anyone should privately own these animals and that these animals should shouldn't necessarily be held in captivity so to speak, right? But she's holding them. But she's holding them in captivity. But the 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 flip side that Joe Exotic and Doc Antle and these other guys are trying to present is it like yo, we get trying to preserve these animals, especially these animals whom you think are an endangered species. One of the ways we can kind of take them off of the endangered species is to breed them so that there are more of them in the you know in so that there are more of them in existence. Yeah. Uh, and then also giving the public uh you know trying to educate the public in a way where they have some sort of investment in these animals. Right. So like a lot of people like I like I was telling you before, like some people they they really latch on to things that they can like learn hands on. So a kid may, you know, not necessarily have many opportunities to be in the presence of a fucking a, a full-grown tiger, right? Or even a tiger kitten or a tiger pup, well, however you address the babies with, 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 <laughs> a baby tiger yeah so like they learn and they get they get fascinated in that way and maybe that that sparks something in them to want to learn more about these animals and ways to cons- you know conserve and everything else but there's these competing ideas and um a lot of episode one was about those competing ideas and how fiercely they were like fighting yeah over these ideas so much so that uh joe exotic just like you know that people have well for one joe exotic has his critics carol baskin being one of his main critics and joe exotic went on the news they were at they were talking about you know um they were talking about another guy who had like these big game cats he let these he let his cats and like bears and all this shit like he had all these exotic animals on his land 
but he let them go free and then like the yeah he like set them he free set them free purposely and like they like the sheriffs and everything had to come and kill like 38 animals yeah and so um you know they went to someone like joe exotic to ask him about you know whether or not he could snap and let his animals go and you know carol baskin is one of these people who were saying that like yo this is like a ticking time bomb one of these guys lose it and they let these animals free and then they're free upon the public now you got a you know a really big uh problem on your hands and so uh here's uh here's like a little a small clip of joe exotic uh responding to that that criticism Debate belongs to this man. I'm Joe Exotic and this is Sarge. The president of the Humane Society called this place, and I quote, a ticking time bomb and potentially 10 times worse than Zanesville. It is a ticking time bomb. If somebody thinks they're going to walk in here and take my animals away, it's going to be a small Waco. That's a pretty powerful statement. It's a very powerful statement because I have poured my entire life into what I do. Nobody is going to walk in here and freely shut me down and take my rights away from me as long as I am not breaking the law. All right. So um, for those of you who are familiar with what happened in Waco, Texas, uh, pretty big bloodbath. Um Religious like zealots went to war with the federal government over coming out of, you know, coming out of their uh, their sanctuary. And a lot of them did not leave out of their life. And so that's what that's how strongly Joe Exotic feels about whether or not he could possibly get shut down. And um, oh, wait, what's that? One thing I wanted to say about Carol is Carol is purporting that she they accept rescue animals like they rescue the type yeah. the animals like yeah. there are people that have like somehow they like they may own they get a tiger as a little baby tiger or a lion or whatever else yeah and then they're like you know six months later when it's like full grown they're like um no and they call and they're like get this out of my house or yeah. whatever so she's saying and like from um like those like roadside like zoos and stuff that have shut down like so she's saying that she rescues this an- these animals joe exotic is saying he he breeds, he breeds them. them yeah and so part of the money that he makes is from breeding them and he has sold them to other people that right. are on the show right um and also so joe exotic Pay does he pays his employees not very well which we're i guess we're probably going to discuss later yeah. but carol doesn't pay. Does them not all. pay anyone that works or does animal care for her. For doesn't her pay them all. entire right. sanctuary, she does not. They are all volunteers, yeah, and there's different volunteers. levels. There's like a strenuous course you have to take. Like it's a whole other kind of situation. And you know what? That's that's another theme of this show. Like across the board, it seems. And I don't like. Maybe they'll talk about it a little later with um with Mario Tabro. But, like, that seems like a theme across the board when it comes to all of these people is that they don't pay their workers much at all. Yeah. Um, Joe Exotic is uh, only paying his workers, like, maybe $138 a week or some shit. Um, even uh, Doc Antle, like, there's a young woman who said she left his... Yeah, uh, his harem she, of women. His harem of uh, handlers, because <laughs> they also handle the animals, but that she left and they were only getting paid like a hundred dollars a week mm-hmm. for all and of the And living in were... like horse stalls and yeah. infested with roaches. Yeah. Like, crazy. And so, uh, yeah, at the, the going rate for that kind of job is a hundred and thirty dollars a week, apparently. hundred, you know, average hundred fifteen dollars a week. Because then if you go, uh, if you go to Carol, you ain't getting paid shit. You's a volunteer. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what we were with uh, with episode one. It was like I said, mostly like uh, an introduction as to who all the real like main characters of this uh, docu series was. Now, it kind of picked up here in episode two. And now in episode two, which was the episode that they called um, Cults of Personality. And this kind of delved into the devotion that a lot of the workers had towards the like the the, the leaders of these different uh, like sanctuaries or zoos or whatever you want to call them. And one of the things that stuck out to me the most was there was an episode, uh, I want to say it was an episode, well, it's obviously an episode two, where there was a worker who uh, she got her fucking arm bitten off and she was back to work within seven days of having her arm amputated after having it bitten off by a tiger. So let me pull this uh, this clip up because... Uh, this is actually kind of insane. Um, wait a second. I don't. 
I got a timestamp here. Where was it? Okay. There we go. A woman is fighting to keep her arm after it was mauled by a tiger. The victim was airlifted to OU Medical Center for life-saving surgery. The story hit the news. It was a tiger mauling in Winniewood, Oklahoma. A tiger attack, blah, blah, blah. Her name's Kel Kelsey Safran. Off the bone. Joe and John Rinky had already come to the hospital to see me. And I specifically remember Rinky handing me a pen. And I picked it up and I wrote my name and then I handed it back to him. So my hand was still a functioning hand at the time, just really bandaged up and in a lot of pain. But the next morning, the surgeon came in and said, hey, Saf, it's gonna be, you know, about two years of reconstructive surgery. He said, or you can amputate it. And I said, amputate it. My biggest thing, and it was derived from Joseph, he said, our mission is to give these animals a fighting chance. So I knew if I stayed in that hospital, the media wins. Is this a reflection of what's not getting done right at your zoo? That's the question. I seen how much they blew it up into this horror story that I felt like the best thing to do was get right back to work. To kind of set things right. I was back on the park in five days after my amputation. It was a total of seven days in the hospital. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, he's got them to a point where she's feel like, well, if I don't get back to work, the media wins. And we see this a lot with, um, like, like in political talk and stuff like, well, the media like is, is driving this, this narrative, yada, yada, yada. This woman lost a fucking hand, like three quarter, like maybe probably up to her elbow, lost her whole arm and hand. And she's worried about how the media is going to uh, portray the park. Um, that was just fucking wild to me. That was wild. I don't know if I'll ever have that level of dedication to any job where I'm working for somebody else. I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. And the thing about it is, is like you can kind of, I didn't want to assume but, like, as the series kind of moves on, you can kind of gather that Joe Exotic has kind of gathered a crew of, like, misfits. Yeah. Because, like, there's another guy that, like, he doesn't have any legs, but it's from, it's not, from, he didn't, his legs did not get eaten off by a big cat. They got, he was like a, what did he say? He was in a zip line yeah, accident. He, he landed on his feet. Yeah, he fell and landed his on his feet. Up. So, like, <clears throat> um, and then, like, his, his, uh, toothless one of his toothless husbands <laughs> yeah it was kind of misfitty yeah well i don't really remember his story and then the other guy that was his other husband he said he met him he met joe young. he was a month out of high school yeah he was young and you know they just kept referring to how big his hands and his feet were and how tall he was and how you know he was like tall dark and handsome and uh joe asked him about what kind of porn he likes to watch and Ugh. you know you like the guys with the big ones or the small ones and He's like, I like the ones watching. I like watching the ones with the big ones. He's like, well, you're not that straight, you know. Like so, that whole that whole exchange was, was just kind of strange. That made it, it's just it's creepy, and it's like, ooh, cause cause like the whole time I'm thinking with the 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 younger husband, I'm like, oh my god, blink if you need help. Like he just <laughs> seems so like out of it and then it's like dang are you kind of dumb or like are you putting an act on or like do you really like this because like i'm not trying to yuck nobody's yum like if you like joe and you like that shit go for it but like it just was a little creepy yeah and not only that it's just um as you find out later on in the episode that like a lot of these people don't really ha like they, they don't really have anywhere else to go. Yeah, like he said, like someone from town would call him and be like, "This person's been at the bus stop for yeah. like a day." You know, I don't think they have anywhere to go. And like they showed him like coming to like get this woman who was clearly on something yeah, or had she was, she was coming down from something, and he's like, "You want to come work for me and like live on my 
live on the property in one of the trailers. But then later, like, we see the trailers. And the trailers are full. And there's, like, they open a drawer and, like, a rat was there. And, like, it's just, like... They were just living filthy, man. Like, just old cups and, like, pizza boxes and, f- like, food and clothes on the floor. They were... Like, bare mattresses. Eating... Did you did you save the clip about them eating the, the meat? The I dumpster didn't. meat? But that's okay. We can kind of explain that, I guess... This is what comes apart comes along when they're talking about um how how much it f- takes to feed a tiger and so yeah. Carol is saying it takes I think she said ten thousand dollars a year yeah to feed one tiger one yeah. animal the next clip Joe's like I can feed a tiger for three thousand dollars a year <laughs> like nigga <laughs> but like <laughs> they they edited that they edited oh, that perfect man. but um. I just thought that was really interesting, but then we later find out he's like he's saying that when you go to Walmart or you're in the grocery store and yeah. like let's say like you have like some chicken or whatever and like you go to buy it and your card gets declined. And so that he's saying they can't put that back. That's not true. That's not true. Yeah. They can put it back if it's like someone is there to put it back right away. Yeah. They can put it back. Now if it sits out, of course they're gonna throw it away. Right. Well, you would hope. Um but so then he's saying that meat goes into the dumpster and they go and get that meat because technically there's quotes nothing wrong with it but like it is it's rotten because it just goes into a dumpster like not into a cooler or anything it goes right into the dumpster right so unless you're there right there and it as soon as it even if it's just a mess yeah. but then he's talking about how the people that work in his zoo would like pick through the rotten meat first so they could have so something can, to yeah, eat. So they can get something to and eat. And they were excited. They were grateful. Yeah. They and were then he's about the different cuts of meat that they would get. And, yeah. Like, and then he's like, and... hi, like feeding. And I know like animals have like different stomach, different stomachs and I was like, they could eat yeah. raw meat and stuff like that. But like, can they eat raw rotten meat? Cause then they're like slicing up a cow and like talking. It was just a lot. I don't know about like, so I don't know about like you know what we would consider spoiled like meat, like for our consumption may be different than like you know that of yeah like a big like like the bacteria if you think about, yeah like so if you think about it, that that animal was out in the wild and they came across a carcass you yeah, know what I'm saying that that, that that food would be, you know well that carcass could be out there for a few days baking into something but they would still go and eat it you yeah. know what I'm saying so like. Um, I think it's a, it may be a little bit different for them than it would be for human consumption. Yeah. But, like, the idea that part of your pay is, well, you get to pick from the scraps that we're about to give these animals. Mm-hmm. Was, like, fucking insane. Like, rather than pay them now, then you you juxtapose that with, yo, people are paying this dude $300 some odd dollars. Well, we don't know what they're paying Joe. That was, the $300 was for Doc, whatchamacallit. We don't know what Joe... Is getting you sure? Yeah, the three hundred. They were at Doc. They were okay. at Doc's place. Okay, I I thought it was something different, but you, you might you might have you, you might have that right. Because they yeah. did make a point of saying he was like much more like the, I'm sure they were at Doc. Okay, Mantle's place. Yeah, but like just the idea of you know however much they're paying, however much they're paying, because obviously he's not paying the workers that much at all. Yeah. Like if the workers are saying, yeah, I might make a hundred dollars this week. Like, how many people are coming through there to where, like, you know, all he's giving you is this amount of money? Like, and then on top of, like, you know, you go through the gift shop and he's got Tiger King draws and fucking albums and all. Like, he's got a television network and all this other. Oh, boy. You know, he's got all this shit going on and the workers aren't really getting paid much. And then you've got a worker right now who's lost a fucking arm, but she's so dedicated to working for him that she's willing to get her ass right back to work seven days after losing yeah, her Yeah, and then when he... So when it all... They showed briefly, like, what happened. Yeah. Then it, it showed... started the episode that way. And right? then... So Joe goes in his office, and he's like, I'm never going to financially recover from this. Yeah, that's what he was worried about. What? That's what he was worried about. But the thing about it is, is like, oh, girl, that lost her arm, like... They were kind of talking about, like, people who work with these kind of animals, like, they kind of develop, like, this obsession of, like, they, they're, like, addicted 
<laughs> yeah. They're like addicted to working with the animals. So like her love for like these animals and like doing feeling like doing what she does is like a privilege. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know where they didn't go into really her backstory of like where she came if they did I won't pay attention. But <laughs> they didn't go into like her backstory of like where she came from. But like you gotta be coming from some shit to really accept this as yeah. like they kinda went through like they didn't um they didn't do her story per se other than this particular part where not you know, yet at least we don't yeah know. like where like the the incident happened because you seen her before where you just see her nub yeah and you but the thing is okay they didn't explain the nub I when didn't you first notice I I never I, I never noticed it yeah and then like as soon as the the clip where you know they're rushing her to the hospital and stuff and then the next scene where she's sitting there talking I was like oh my god. Yeah, I saw I that. Did that was the first it. thing I noticed was that she had a nub sitting there because she kept gesturing with her right arm, but that, that left nub was just laying there. And that was the only thing that I, I was like, well, damn. And I didn't associate that automatically with the fact that an animal bit it off. And, and then the very to... first thing that happens in the second episode is an animal bit her fucking arm off, and she's talking about how she was so dedicated to get back to work after about seven And I was like... They kind of, it's not like they glazed over it, but it's like, I don't know what the fuck you were doing. Yeah. Because she said this, that she stuck her hand in the cage or whatever, but like all throughout the episode, people are sticking their we hands see their, in cages. People sticking their hands in it. We they see got him. Food. Yeah, like we see them doing this. So it's like, damn, like danger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, um, they did briefly kind of talk about some of the workers, you know, like where they came from. Um, what kind of work they were, you know, into or not into, uh, when they came to work for Joe. Now, the other part was, um, Carol, um, she has this hierarchy of volunteers. Yeah, that's crazy. She has a hierarchy, like, and they're color coded by their shirts. Mm -hmm. So depending on how, what your, what color your shirt is will determine like how senior you are as a volunteer at her sanctuary. Um, and she was talking about how, like, you know, the kind of people who want to do this work don't want to be paid. <laughs> kind of easy for you to say that when you, like, open up a sanctuary and you already sitting on millions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you already got money. So, like, you know, the money that comes into the park is, like, a little bit of a bonus because I'm sure she's taking a salary from this. I doubt very seriously that she's doing this just simply out of the kindness of her heart. Right. It's a business. So yeah, she's and making money. And she also money. like goes to, she like lobbies ghosts. Is that what you yeah. call it? When you go to like lawmakers and stuff. Yeah, and she's like, a lobbyist She's too. associated or affiliated with PETA and like that whole thing. So she's making plenty of money yeah. upon, and on top of the money that she already had. Um, and it's like, yeah, there are some people like you could probably like a like an intern, like a, someone who's like studying zoology. Yeah. Maybe like an intern. Like, OK, I get it. But like inter college internships should be paid. But like All some, internships should be paid. Like, I like that. that kind of situation. But like <clears throat> you also it's like, made me think of like all the people who work at like um like animal rescues, not the humane society. Cause yeah. people that work at the humane society have most of them. A lot of, a lot of them have like a salary or like the city brings the dog. Like a lot of those people aren't getting paid, but like people who work for like one that we see all the time, like on the news is like Detroit dog rescue yeah. that rescues the pit bulls. Like all those people are volunteering because they love these animals so much, but this is on a much smaller scale than like this lady has like hundreds a volunteer is going through this like volunteer program. Yeah. And then the, uh, the other part of that is like, yeah, if you're going to do an internship, yes, yeah, usually for like a year at most, some of the, most of the, a lot of those people, the, the more senior caretakers have been there five years unpaid. Yeah. Like the lady was saying like, yeah, I don't ever take Christmas off. I'm here on Christmas. Like what the you fuck? You here on Christmas, not fucking getting paid, sis. I was up in arms when they tried to make me work on Thanksgiving for money, for like holiday pay. And I was still up in arms. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, and then like I said, like, she, yeah, she's sitting on money and um, the workers aren't getting paid anything. And then they're, you know, also the way in which the animals are in cage. Now, again, Carol Baskin kind of like, um, she kind of presents herself as like the, the moral high ground in this. And that like, uh, you know, she doesn't believe these animals should be breeded for, you know, the entertainment purposes like Joe and some of these other guys are doing. Uh, she doesn't believe that, uh, these animals should be bred 
you know, you know, even if they're looking at this as conservation of these animals, she doesn't believe that they should be bred or anything like like a like a what are they what are they, a liger. Yeah, like Joe has a, a liger. I guess it's a lion and was tiger. Was that Joe or was that Doc? That was, that was Doc Anthony. He had that liger. And he was big. Like, he had more than one. And yeah, it was, one of them was ligers like super, are giant. He was like super fat. Yeah. Like, they were feeding that motherfucker well. Yeah. <laughs> he was eating good. But um, yeah, so like she, she presents herself as like this moral paragon of virtue. And you look at some of the business practices and you're like, uh, I don't know. And then on top of that, when they start talking about how she came into her money, apparently, like, she came into the money because her husband disappeared. And her husband just so happened to be, uh, a, like, a multi-millionaire dude, like, disappeared. And people were talking about maybe she fed that motherfucker to one of the lions or the tigers and shit. I mean, homegirls. They never of, found this guy. She's coming off a little crazy. They never found the guy. <laughs> now, she's got a guy with her. You yeah, know? and I see, I guess, I suppose, the image I keep seeing is we're going to see him on, like, some type of cat leash later with cat ears on, and I am here for it, <laughs> ready to fucking dive into this trash. As soon as we get done, we about to get something to eat, and we about to watch two more episodes, yes, so. <laughs> yes, we are. So, yeah, that's, uh, like, uh, with Carol. Now, um, hold on a second. Okay, so, yeah, there's another guy that we haven't really talked a whole lot about. Hmm. And this is uh, Mario Tabro. Okay. So Mario is like a real life version of motherfucker Tony Montana. He was a drug kingpin down, Montana. In, <laughs> down in Miami. And um, he's like, uh, <laughs> Carol's biggest problem with him isn't the fact that, well, maybe her problem is that he owns cats. But her biggest problem is this guy is a convicted like felon. Like, I mean, girl, come that's on. That's her biggest, like, he's a fucking felon, man. You guys are gonna let these felons, like, have cats? Like, yeah, but. Yeah, but, old girl from Pit, Pitbulls and Parolis called and wants to have a fucking <laughs> word. <laughs> so let me pull this clip up, because it's actually, um, like, this dude, he's very matter-of-fact about his life. He doesn't pull any punches about his life before, like, you know, what's going on right now. Um, and that's that that actually intrigued me a little bit more about him because he's like, yo, man, yeah, I was in the. I, I'm gonna just play the clip. I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna just play the clip. Where is it? Um, right about here. All right. Sometimes they say that I'm the prototype for Scarface. Mario Tabraway and his father Guillermo are accused of operating a 10-year top-dollar family drug enterprise. The money coming in suitcases to the bank, I did that. <laughs> but not with a fat guy in the band. It was a Corvette. I did it by myself. I would call the bank, and the bank's, and they would have 10 tellers who sit back there and count it. There was no counting machines. Back then, I sold drugs to maintain my animal habit. I got to a point where I was on the phone saying, Mario's Drugstore specializing in marijuana, cocaine, and quaaludes. Anybody interested, come get it, including you, Metro Dade, Organized Crime Bureau. They got me on tape. Working out of Zoological Imports Unlimited, Tabrawai is also accused of covering up the murder, mutilation, and cremation of a federal drug informant seven years ago. His name was Larry Nash. He was an ATF informant. A guy worked for me, shot him, and they panicked and dumped him on my farm. I had a crazier partner than me. He says, let's just cut up and burn him. So we burned him. You know, I really didn't even do most of the stuff, but I, I carry the stigma of it. What am, I, what, what am I going to tell the feds now, or the judge? Your Honor, I did not shoot him, and I did not use the, I did not use the circular saw on his neck. It was somebody else. What difference does it make? I'm still there. Come here. Come here. Come here. The judge gave me 100 years, but I won the appeal. It cost me 12 years of my life. It's okay. All right, so this motherfucker, I'm still tripping on the fact that they gave him a hundred, and he got out in 12. Yeah. Good lawyers, man. (laughs) He got out in fucking 12, bro. (laughs) He did the same amount of time that my brother did. Oh, God. (laughs) Like, think about that for a second, though. He was sentenced to a hundred years, and he he, he got out in the same amount of time that Calvin did. That's crazy. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. But he's very, um, very matter of fact about his life prior to this point. And also, he's kind of seen as like a godfather to a lot of these other guys. Like when they when they talk about their entry into the big cat 
uh, like exotic animal, like, you know, zoo slash, you know, conservation, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. They all kind of point to him as like their entry point into it. Like he had the best animals. That's why we fuck with him. And that's where we learned a lot of this. Even Doc Antle talked, you know, there was a, you know, that's where we kind of get introduced. Well, not necessarily. But we do kind of get like a progression from where Doc Antle started. Mm -hmm. And it begins with this guy. Um, Yeah. um, What's my man's name again? Mario Tabro. Tabreu. I forget. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. (laughs) I might be fucking this up. My bad, man. Don't send a tiger. Um, But yeah, man. So you got the Coke King. You got the uh, you got the uh, gun toting uh, Oklahoman. You got the PETA loving. Um, what would we call them? the the PETA the, the tiger lady the PETA lady <laughs> the tiger lady. And now we get introduced to um, the harem keeper, I guess. Oh, um, so creepy. Doc Ansel. So Doc Ansel, who's actually a mentor to Joe Exotic. And um, Doc Antle has a reputation for uh, having a lot of young girls around, Mm -hmm. calling them interns, and having sexual relations with them in order for them to advance their careers, so to speak. As a matter of fact, one of the ways, like I said, one of the ways we got introduced to that idea was through uh, Mario Tabro's wife. As she talks about some of the earlier starts of uh, of Doc Ansel's career. So let me pull this up. It's at this point right here, I believe. All right. Doc Ansel, actually. Bagaban Doc Ansel. Bagaban Doc What kind of doctor is he? Mystical science. Mystical science? Yeah. <laughs> A doctor in mystical science. Who's that? He's doing what the fuck we're going out here. Wives. One of his wives. <laughs> I like that answer. <laughs> He's very eccentric. Like... <laughs> How many wives does he have? I would say he has three. He has three wives? Yes. Wow. Dr. Intel, he has four or five wives. Well, he has three or four girlfriends. He has like nine wives. How many wives does Dr. Antel have? I don't fucking care. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Operating the Tiger's Preserve here takes place by a great big cohesive family unit. We have people that have joined our apprentice program over the decades. These are apprentices that come on generally as teenagers, live on the preserve, many of whom have stayed on for decades themselves. This is my longtime girlfriend partner, China, the, the blonde lady running the stuff here. Since oh, she was 17 years old, she's been living here and taking care of my stuff. Wow. Rajani, the little Italian lady, 20 years ago, when she was a young woman, she came and lived with me, has been staying there ever since. Moksha, the pretty blonde with the big teeth and the bright big smile, she's going on 16 years of living here and taking care of all that stuff. I low-key was not expecting him to say big teeth. Oh, don't you ever. I, I was life. never expecting him to say, I swear to God, I thought he was about to say the one with the big tits and like, ah! <laughs> but like I thought that's what he was going to say, not big teeth. The thing about it is, is I guess they've been there for the longest, but he they showed like the houses that they live in, yeah. big, huge houses. Oh, they're living well. They live in beautiful, nice homes. Like he's obviously taking care of the ones that are probably closest to him. Yeah. Um, God. <laughs> Yeah, they're living well. They all each have their own homes, like, on on the land. Like, they have houses on the land. Now, there was one young lady who was was formerly a caretaker at his particular uh, zoo, and she talked about how much they worked, uh, how hard they worked. Yeah. And um, she also talked about how um, she also left to go work for him. She was very young. Her father dropped her off down there and said, don't fall in love with your boss. Um, and she thought that the only way in which she could, um, advance as a trainer would be to sleep with that guy, which probably is the only, which way. is probably true, you know, because of the way, like, if you see like, okay, there are multiple women around here mm-hmm. and the ones who seem to be getting the best treatment seem to be the ones who are like kind of fucking with this guy. And, um, she talked about how they kind of coerced her into getting breast implants. Yep. And, um, yep. 
she went along with it. Like not even as though it was like her decision to get breast implants. So they like kind of made this suggestion and then she looked up and there were doctor's appointments made and um, she got the breast implants and she actually looked forward to it only because she thought she would get rest because she wasn't getting any rest working mm-hmm. in the, in the um, uh, working with the animals and everything. Um, but just some eccentric, so this eccentric folks, Bhagavan guy, if you, I know, I don't think you have watched it, but there's this documentary on a big, it's called Bikram Yogi Guru Predator. I think I might've watched that. We watched something that was that was kind of they like got it. something like that on on Netflix. It now. is on Netflix. Yeah, I think but this I did is watch a new that. one. Um, and this guy <laughs> Bikram Chowdhury, who is like, I don't, I can't explain. I guess he, it's kind of almost like this yoga movement, which is kind of almost like a cult, and they have like, there's a lot going on with that. Yeah, but. He was also known for, like, having a lot of, like, women, lots of wives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think just seeing that um, the Bhagavan guy, like, they talked about how, like, they're all vegetarian. They all live this kind of, like, yoga mentality. And, like, they train the animals with this this kind of yoga collective mentality thing. Yeah. Um, and, that, like, I guess yoga did come from, like, India. Yeah. So seeing that he was mentored by, like, a the uh, Indian man, I guess it kind of makes sense that he adopted this yoga mentality. Not to say that all yoga gurus or whatever are creepy or anything like that, but like, I guess that is a thing. I don't know. I mean, that is a thing that has happened. I mean, it's just not like, you know, it's not common. I don't think. Well, I'm not even saying it's common. I'm just getting ready to say like, um, it's not necessarily exclusive to that. Right. Like we, especially when we talk religion, there's like creepy. Well, I mean, I'm talking about just like, Doc specifically like the names he has yeah. given. He is kind of following. Yeah, he make them this, change their names and shit too. This kind of like very specific like culture. Yeah. Um. So he's kind of using that in a creepy way, which yeah, it's sad. Well, I mean, you know, but he's also catching these young women. He's catching these women when they're young and they're impressionable. So if you if they're young and they're impressionable and you are someone in a position of power who has access to the thing that they want in order to like maybe advance their career. Yeah, someone who's young and impressionable may think the only way for me to advance in this is to give up a piece of myself in order to get there. Yeah. You know, where someone who's older and a little bit more learned would be like, nah man, this is bullshit and we can go ahead and fuck with somebody else. Yeah. You know? What's something when you were young and impressionable, what's something that someone like what would the cult be about that they <laughs> got you into? Cult? Like, what would... Not necessarily, like, a real thing, but, like, what would be the thing that, like, made you drink the Kool-Aid? <laughs> like, if someone was like, I can take you to the NBA. Come to my basketball camp. I didn't believe none of that shit. I was always a skeptic. Really? But a lot of shit. Mm. I was always kind of a skeptic. Like, I just didn't... I, I always just take people's shit at face value. Yeah. And it always... I think at most, when I was young, in order to get to me, you'd have to give it to somebody who I really trusted in order to, like, kind of move in that way. Mm. You know? Yeah. Because, like, and I I think, unfortunately, I think it took my mom's passing in order for, like, that, that made me that way. Yeah. Because, like, when my mom died, I was only, like, 17. Mm. And so, like, um... You know, like anybody else after that, I, it took like I had to like kind of I had a wall up for a lot of people, even like people in my own family, because I saw like how people were acting around that time. Like, yeah. you know, can I get this? Can I do like, hey, I'm seven. Like my mama just died. And like you coming to me asking me, can you have some shit? Yeah. You know, so like I just had like this wall up for a long time. And so if you were to get me to do anything, it had to be through somebody I had like kind of let that wall down for. And usually it was like somebody within my family, somebody I trusted. So, um, I just wasn't really like, I don't know if I was really going like that Mm. when I was young. I think sadly, because I went through a lot in like in high school, especially with like being bullied and stuff like that. If Mm -hmm. someone would have probably came to me and said, Oh, I can make you like popular. Like I'll take you to a place where everyone will like you and like all that. I probably would (laughs) have, probably would have thrown in that van mm. like it was just terrible but that's how like all 
Well, I won't necessarily say about uh, the, about the Tony Montana guy. He probably people probably you know people are into drugs and that kind of lifestyle. That's a whole mm-hmm. different kind of you know what I'm saying don't take much mm-hmm. <laughs> fast money like money you know can motivate a lot of things. But like yeah, that's probably how Doc like got these women like he you know I can thinking that they're gonna get like this fame and like they're gonna be a part of this like big great thing. Yeah, and I can see like say for instance even going back further in my life like when I was like younger than like when my mom was still here like there used to be guys that used to try to get me to sell drugs Yeah, you know when I was a kid like 13 14 years old and a lot of the kids you know a lot of the guys my age were kind of succumbing to that I was scared of my mama though <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying like yeah. I was scared of my mama so like you know um, the biggest thing for me was like disappointing my mama mm. like whereas like my brother on the other hand you know well. Shout out to Calvin. Shout out to Calvin, man. But <laughs> but like that was the thing though. Like my mom was a real big influence on a lot of the things that I did as like I wanted to make her proud. That was the biggest thing for me. And then when she was gone, it was like that wall went up and I wasn't trying to hear shit from nobody. Yeah. So um yeah, I, I just don't know if I was really I would really be able to like just go on, yeah. on, when I was younger. Yeah. I don't know if I'd have been like prime for that. Like I just remember that time when I, and I keep telling this story about the time where, like, the military recruiter tried to get me to join the military yeah. at the bus stop. And I was like, nah, nigga. <laughs> like, yeah. like, nah, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Fuck y'all. <laughs> like, yeah, like see, luckily, thing. not luckily for me, but, like, around the time when, like, I got into high school is when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. So, military Damn. recruiters. I was in college, y'all. <laughs> I was already in college. Military recruiters <laughs> kind of has stopped coming because, like, kids, either there were some kids that were like, all right, yeah, I'm going to be an American. Yeah, like, they're going to go fight for their country. But, like, most of us were like, uh, nah, because you, you ain't just joining for a Corvette or Camaro now. Like, you, you got to go right. to war, war. So, yeah, I missed out on that phase. <laughs> hey, man, you want a charger? We got you. <laughs> We got you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was uh, our recap of episodes one and two. Like uh, she said, we're going to watch episodes three and four uh, tonight. Uh, you, want, you think we're going to record tomorrow? or? I mean, most likely. It depends. depends on if I have to go to work tomorrow because yeah. it's kind of iffy. You know, they got a nigga on like some on-call shit where I call in the morning to check in, see if they need a nigga. So um, if they don't need a nigga, y'all get an episode tomorrow. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, it's not like you're... Well, I mean, we could come back tonight, baby. No, we're like, not the, coming the back tonight. The studio ain't going nowhere. I'm tired. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we will uh, we will get back to you guys soon with uh, episodes three and four of Tiger Gang. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, let me remind you guys how to get in touch with us over here at the Baywatch Podcast and let your voice be heard. Go ahead and hit up that hotline at area code 313-288-0485. That's area code 313-288-0485. Leave those voicemail messages. Of course, we'll replay them here on the show and respond in kind. You can also email us here at feedback at thespanreport.com. That's feedback at thespanreport.com. Leave us those emails and of course, those emails will get read here live on the show as well just tag those with uh baywatch so that i know that those go to these this particular show okay also uh follow me on well follow us on twitter and instagram my name on both of those platforms is mr underscore span and they can follow you where baby podcast bay podcast bay go ahead and follow her on that boy too you know she owned there, not like like cliff you know what i'm saying cliff be- i'm not well, you own there more than Cliff is. I don't know what Clifford. Cliff don't uh, be on there at all. He got a he got an account, but he don't be there. I don't know what Clifford does with his I social know, baby. media, I but know. I try. Um, <laughs> I haven't really live tweeted anything lately. Um, and we kind of fell off on the love at the lockup because like Comcast fucked up our shit, man. So I be watching love at the lockup like the day after on YouTube. It's fucked up, man. It's real fucked up. Yeah. Maybe we could live tweet this. I don't know. Um, and that's well. Also, hit up the website www.thespareport.com. Listen to the uh, the shows there. Vote in the polls there. Leave us comments there. Uh, we really do appreciate everybody who does that. You can also hit up our store, get some merch, get yourself a Baywatch podcast t shirt or hoodie. You know, it's still kind of like you know in between weather right now. And I know they got the coronavirus thing going, but you know, protect yourself from this bullshit with the you know the Baywatch podcast stuff. I think you can protect yourself. I think. 
Also, <laughs> uh, donate to the show on our Patreon. The Patreon allows for us to do uh, the Spare Report and the uh, the Beer and Chicken Podcast live on Crowdcast. We really do appreciate everybody who's a part of the Golden Circle of the Spare Report Podcast Network. Uh, those monies go towards that effort, and we really do appreciate you guys. And you can also donate through PayPal. And uh, while you donate through PayPal, it helps us keep all the other things going on, like keeping the hosting for the website going and everything. And um, leave us comments on iTunes. I'm sorry. Leave us five-star views on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. The five-star views are the ones that get read here live on the show. Uh, we really do appreciate everybody who goes about the business of doing that. It doesn't cost you a dime. It's a couple of minutes of your time to let us know why you're rocking with us over here, okay? And uh, go to our website, www.thespanreport.com, and, you know, do that. But uh, we're going to get on up out of here. We'll talk to you guys you're again talking soon. talking in fine print. My God. And until next time, fam. <laughs> Peace. Bye. <laughs> Oh, 